0: Uh, so no, I won't be uh, recommending blind faith in blind faith. Um, this uh, mosaic here is a mosaic of Jesus uh, healing uh, a blind man with his, his cane there. It's not actually Jesus poking someone's eye out, um, although it does, does look rather like that at first glance. But I thought it was quite an appropriate uh, opening image for a talk on blind faith. Um, And, of course, uh, Jesus' miracles of healings, um, including the (coughs) miracles of uh, healing those who are blind, he often uses as a a spiritual symbol of not just healing uh, physical blindness, but of spiritual uh, blindness uh, as well, helping people to see uh, truth. And Jesus himself, of course, appealed to uh, the evidence of his miracles, as one of the reasons why people should believe his claim to be the Messiah and the Son of Man and so on. Uh, Many people may have heard of uh, Mark Twain's little aphorism that faith is believing what you know ain't so. Um, Back in time to uh, St. Augustine, he would not share this view. You see, this is far too cynical. Um, Augustine, in his uh, concerning faith in Singers Not th- Seen, said, uh, they're much deceived who think that we believe in Christ without any proofs. Take it all the way back to uh, the letter of First Peter in the New Testament, the uh, famous verse 1 Peter 3.15, where Peter, talking to Christians in general, says, always be prepared to give an answer, and translating, uh, answer here, the word uh, in Greek is apologia, literally means a word back, it was a word from the law courts, it was what your lawyer would do, uh, defending you in court, his defence speech, uh, so very much uh, uh, a context of, of reasoning and argumentation and defence and so on. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. Uh, so. That's a pretty consistent uh, mainline Christian tradition of the importance of, of argumentation and reasoning and giving evidence for faith and not seeing uh, the two as mutually uh, exclusive. I'm going to focus uh, particularly on how the new atheists uh, portray faith because that's where a lot of people in our culture are getting their concept of what faith means these days Uh, John Lennox from Oxford says the New Atheists are classic examples of the very thing that they despise. Um, They are characterised by the blind faith that all faith is blind faith. It's the New Atheist concept of faith that's a delusion in the precise sense that they assign to the term. A persistent false belief held in the face of strong contradictory evidence. Against all the evidence... Do they not even bother to consult dictionaries, asks Lennox. They irrationally reduce all faith to blind faith, as if sticking the word blind before faith uh, didn't qualify the term in any sense, they're just synonymous, uh, and then subject faith to ridicule. So just one uh, dictionary example, since Lennox mentions dictionaries. This is uh, Merriam-Webster's dictionary. And you see, there is a range of, of meanings to the term faith. Faith. Um, Three major groupings here. One, that alliance or duty to a person, loyalty, um, fidelity to promises, sincerity of your intentions. Second group, belief and trust in, loyalty to, to God or belief in the doctrines of a religion or firm belief in something for which there is no proof that it is isn't there or trust. And third, faith can mean something that's believed, especially with strong conviction, especially with ...related to a religious system. So, sure, people certainly do use the word faith sometimes... ...to mean uh, faith in the sense of believing something without proof. But the New Atheists act as if that's the only thing that the term means... ...and as if uh, religious faith is automatically faith of that kind... There's no uh, subtlety or nuance or recognition that maybe faith means different things to different people or different religious traditions and so on. And certainly given the, the quotes uh, we just looked at from Peter and Augustine and so on, it would seem that the, uh, the Christian mainline tradition would not uh, be using faith in this uh, particular sense that the new atheists then portray as the only uh, sense in which faith has a meaning. Here's uh, A.C. Grayling, uh, a new atheist philosopher, saying faith is a stance or an attitude of belief independent of and characteristically in the countervailing face of evidence. It is non-rational at best. And is probably irrational, given that it involved deliberately ignoring evidence or commitment despite lack of evidence. That's what it means for all religious traditions. That's you know, it. Or Richard Dawkins, when he criticises um, faith for requiring, he says, blind trust in the absence of evidence or even in the teeth of evidence. That's what faith means. Or Christopher Hitchens. This is a fantastic I'm a journalist kind of photo of Christopher Hitchens. It says religion is a surrender of reason in favour of faith. That's what it is to be religious. It's to surrender your reason in favour of faith. So reason and faith are these two completely separate and opposed categories. And if you're going to be religious, you can have faith but not reason. And if you're going to have reason, then you can't have faith. He ends up uh, in more recent writings saying things like, Our belief is not belief, our faith is not faith. When he's talking about the new atheist position. Well, uh, let's have a little counterblast to that from a very good Christian philosopher from the States called J.P. Moreland. He says, The essence of faith, biblical or otherwise, is confidence or trust. And one can have faith in a thing such as a chair or a person, like a, a parent or God. And one can have faith in the truth of a proposition, the truth claim. When trust is directed towards a person or a thing, it's called faith in. I have faith in the chair to support my weight when I sit in it. When it's directed towards the truth of a proposition, uh, it's called faith that. So I have faith that the chair does exist. That is true. It's a great misunderstanding of faith to oppose it to reason or knowledge. Nothing could be further from the truth. In actual fact, faith, confidence, trust, trust that or trust in, is rooted in knowledge. It's extremely hard for you to muster uh, confidence or trust belief that or belief in anything that you don't actually uh, believe is true if I say to you no, let's all um, believe that there is a pink elephant in the room you know, just summon up the belief you know, just have faith that there's a pink elephant in the room I suspect that most of you will have great difficulty in doing it because you think not only is the existence of a pink elephant in this room not something that you know to be true, indeed Given the evidence of your senses, you probably think it's something you know to be false. And therefore, you will find it extremely difficult to exhibit any faith in it. Um, so, in ordinary, everyday usage, uh, faith actually seems to have to go hand in hand with at least you being convinced that something is true, or really there, or really reliable, when you trust it. Uh, here, um, A.C. Grayling again, not everything, A.C. Grayley says, is wrong, of course. And he says, it is quite hard sometimes to hear things. We make ourselves deaf and blind by means of our unrecognised prejudices and assumptions. We acquire such rooted ways of thinking about the world, such natural prejudices, natural blindfolds and earplugs, bad mental habits, etc., That we too often do not see and hear things we ought to if we're to get the rounded picture. Uh, I think this is a very good description of what's going on when the New Atheists try and explain what faith is. Uh, They are letting their natural uh, prejudices uh, and bad mental habits get in the way of actually seeing the rounded picture of what faith means. Let me give you some further examples. I think probably the best modern English translation for the, for the faith, the least uh, misunderstandable way of explaining it to people simply, is to say faith is trust. Trust that, trust in. Um, this is a quote from Sam Harris, new atheist, from his book The End of Faith. And he does a little word study on the biblical language of faith. And he points out that the Hebrew term emuna, uh, is alternatively translated as to have faith, to believe to trust, uh, the Septuagint—that's the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible—retains the same meaning in the term, the Greek term pistuon pistis, uh, which means to, to be persuaded. Uh, and this Greek triv- equivalent is adopted in the New Testament writing. So, saying that the actual language used in the Bible that we sometimes translate as faith, you could also translate as to believe, to trust. But even having done that background language look, he immediately then goes on to look at a couple of biblical passages and completely misinterprets them because of his own prejudices about what faith must mean. He says Hebrews 11.1 defines faith. Now, Hebrews 11.1 is by no means attempting to actually give a definition of faith, but he takes it as such. He says defines faith as the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Read in the right way, i.e. read in completely the wrong way, this passage seems to render faith entirely self-justifying, just blind. Well, Hebrews 11.1 is actually most naturally read in a manner entirely consistent with the Bible's constant uh, repetitive insistence on the importance of reason and evidence. And here I've just grouped uh, a few quotations from uh, God and the prophet Samuel, Saying, I'm going to confront you with evidence uh, from Jesus talking about worshiping God with your mind and believing on the evidence of the miracles, and Paul reasoning, explaining, proving from Acts, um, uh, from Peter, 1 Peter 3:15, and so on. The constant repetition of the importance of reason and evidence uh, is there, and Hebrews 11:1 is entirely consistent with this. Let's look at the, just a few verses before Hebrews 11.1, 1, leading up into Hebrews 11.1. 1. This is Hebrews 10.32-36. Remember those earlier days after you'd received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution, and other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison, and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property. Because you knew, you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions, spiritual possessions. So do not throw away your confidence, it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere, not in the face of countervailing evidence, but in the face of persecution, You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised. Now, faith is being sure of, etc. This is the context. It's the fulfillment of the divine promise of Hebrews 10.36 that the next verse, Hebrews 11.1, clearly has in mind. So, Hebrews 11.1 says that a consequence of having faith, trust in God, is trusting him to deliver on his promise of heaven... Faith is being sure of what we hope for without needing to personally see the fulfilment of that promise in the present time of persecution. Not giving up on that promise just because you're being persecuted and certain of what we do not see, i.e. what we don't see yet, Heaven. So Hebrews 11.1 1 does not say or imply that faith means trusting God in the absence of any supposed reason to trust him. Quite the reverse, indeed. Here's the the verse again with some of the the particular Greek words. And it's fascinating sometimes to dig into the the backgrounds of the terminology. Now, faith, pistis, is the assurance, hypostasis, of things hoped for, the conviction, a of things not seen. In Greek mythology, pistis is one of the, the spirits that escapes from Pandora's box. It's the, the spirit, the daemonia of trust, of honesty, of good faith. And it escapes from Pandora's box and goes off to heaven and abandons humanity when Pandora opens the box. Uh, that's the sort of background of the meaning of the, of the term Pistus. Uh, the, the, the Roman name of this spirit was fide, uh, from which we get our term faith. The Greek word hypostasis, translated here as assurance, it commonly appears in ancient business texts. It's a word from the business world. It conveys the idea of a covenant, a contract, as an exchange of assurances between the parties in the contract that guarantees the future transfer of possessions that are described in the contract. So things that you haven't got yet, but we're guaranteeing that you will get. And the word when uh, rendered conviction, it's the idea of bringing forth evidence that demonstrates something. Particularly something contrary to what appears to be the case on a superficial reading of a situation. Actually. So Hebrews 11.1 1 says faith means sticking to the covenant between God and the believer in the rationally warranted expectation that God will bring his promise uh, to to completion. And such faith in the face of persecution actually bears witness to the reason for the hope that the Christian has. Because that's why they're bothering to suffer the persecution rather than abandoning their faith. Um, Sam Harris then goes on to completely misinterpret the story of uh, uh, doubting Thomas as well. As does A.C. Grayling, who says, you know, the whole point of this story is to show the theological virtue of of believing in the absence of evidence because doubting Thomas is sort of told off. But it's John's Gospel that records Jesus himself legitimizing belief on the basis of evidence. Um, The resurrected Jesus in the story of doubting Thomas offers himself for empirical examination to Thomas who wasn't asked to believe without evidence of the resurrection. He was only asked to believe on the basis of the evidence of all of his mates who'd seen it firsthand. He only had second hand evidence, but not no evidence. He just didn't have personal uh, evidence, just like we don't today. Uh, John, of course, is therefore portraying all of the other disciples as believing in the resurrection of Jesus because of the evidence that they personally witness. So the point of the story can hardly be the virtues of believing without having evidence, because that would be rather a downer on the majority of the apostles. And indeed, at the end of uh, John's Gospel, verse uh, chapter 20, verse 30, 31, John himself says that the reasons he's recounted these events is precisely to give us, the readers, Evidence upon which to base our belief uh, in Jesus. So um, Harris and Groding are reading the story completely against the explicitly expressed grain of the author's intention. Um, I'll go one minute over time because I have to get this fantastic quote from C.S. Lewis in. I think he explains it really well. He says, faith is the art of holding on to things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. Now that I'm a Christian, I do have moods in which the whole thing looks very improbable. But when I was an atheist, I had moods in which Christianity looked terribly probable. (laughs) Unless you teach your moods where to get off, you can never be a sound Christian or even a sound atheist, but just a creature dithering to and fro with its beliefs, really dependent on the weather and the state of its digestion. (laughs) When we exhort people to faith as a virtue, and this is an excellent reply to A.C. Grayling, saying the doubting Thomas story, the whole point is the virtue of faith without evidence. When we exhort people to faith as a virtue, says Lewis, to the settled intention of continuing to believe certain things, We are not exhorting them to fight against reason. If we wish to be rational, not now and then, but constantly, we must pray for the gift of faith, for the power to go on believing, not in the teeth of evidence, of reason, but in the teeth of lust and terror and jealousy and boredom and indifference. That which reason, authority, experience, or all three, have once delivered it to us as being true. Where is that? That's from uh, Lewis's essay, Religion, Reality, or Substitute. And I couldn't put it better myself, so I didn't try.
1: (laughs) Great. Time afterwards. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. To chat about anything you'd like. But please keep your questions now related to what you just said. That'd be great. Yeah. I wonder
0: if you'd like to comment a little bit about the connection between faith and community Yeah, sure. Um, so, this, this distinction that I was drawing on between belief that and belief in, mm. they're both a, a sort of commitment. A commitment to something being true, but the faith in is a much more sort of personal sense of conviction of of commitment, um, and it certainly doesn't relate to you know I have a certain commitment to certain answers to general knowledge questions like the the world's largest ball of string, uh, you know is x x large and it's uh, at some trucker stop in America, um, it's very impressive, really big ball of string, but you know I don't really have much sense of personal investment in that truth claim. Doesn't really make much of a difference to my life, etc. Uh, whereas uh, I believe my mum loves me and I have a trusting relationship with her where I'm prepared to open up to her about my feelings about things and so on um, in, in the trust that she won't go blabbing about it behind my back just because it's a juicy bit of gossip or whatever, you know. Um, so there's this range, this sort of analog range, all of which involves commitment. But some of which are more personal, more more, more, more whole life affecting than others. Um, Now certainly the Christian, in terms of relationship with with Christ, with God, has both types of commitment. A commitment that it's true that Jesus is Lord, etc. That Jesus forgives his sins, etc. But also a trust in him to fulfil his promises, as we were, were looking at. But I don't think you can have the trust in... Without having the trust of that, uh, and what the uh, what Jesus himself and the apostles and the early church and central church tradition has said is, we've got good reason to believe that Jesus really is the Messiah and the Son of God who died for our sins and rose again because we saw him die and we saw the empty tomb and we met him afterwards and it changed our lives, etc., etc. Here's the evidence, and on the basis of that evidence for who he was, we trust him. To do what he said he could do, uh, so that the, the, the faith that, the belief that has to precede the faith in, but as James says, even the demons believe and tremble. the demons believe that Jesus is the Son of God, etc. it 's just that they hate his guts they don't trust in him quite the reverse (laughs) so they're separate issues but they go hand in hand as much as you've got to have good reason you know be rational in believing that Jesus is who he is before you then make a decision about how you're going to attitudinally respond to that truth
1: Keith Peter, I wonder where the new atheists get their misconception of faith from. I wonder if, if you could take an argument says, all very well for the likes of you, yeah. who is somebody who thinks it's through rationing, but the vast majority, like it's actually, mm. of religious people out there actually
0: have never thought it through, they just accept yeah. it. That may well be true, and I wouldn't restrict that to the vast majority of religious people. I just say the vast majority of people probably have not thought that sort of issue through most people don't study courses in epistemology or whatever. Um, but the new atheists don't say things like, "The average Christian in a pew on a Sunday has this belief about faith." And that's wrong. Um, but of course, you know, the actual mainline teachings of the church is, says this about faith, which is something entirely different. They say, faith is this, blind faith. Being religious means abandoning reason, by definition. Uh, now, it's, it's one thing to claim that there are actually no good reasons for being religious, or for trusting Christ, or whatever, and, and to say, actually, the best arguments are against belief in God, etc., etc. Uh, that's one issue. It's an entirely other issue to say, by definition... Faith means abandoning reason. It means extolling the virtues of believing things in the teeth of evidence to the contrary. Um, um, And that sort of... As John Lennox says, you just need to go to any good dictionary to see that faith has a range of meanings, and you can't just assume... (laughs) that it, it means faith means blind faith for everybody although undoubtedly there are Christians who have blind faith just as undoubtedly there are atheists who have blind faith and there are atheists who have blind faith that all faith means blind faith <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a moral question about believing hmm. you'll be able to tell me who said this but Someone said, he, only he who believes is obedient, and only he who is obedient believes. Mm. And you see some of the, the ways the New Atheists twist Scripture, and you feel as if they don't want to believe, yeah. and they make a, a decision not to believe, and they will justify that, justify their own lifestyles, justify their own... As a similar story, you may, may have heard this, probably terribly important, Billy Graham speaking at Oxford uh, about God's creation of the world, a student comes up to him after him and says I can't believe any of that, Billy Graham's reply, which one of the ten commandments are you not keeping? The person went away, came back the following day and says, you're right, I've I justified my lack of belief in God because I want to live in this particular way, in my lifestyle.
0: Yeah. Just comment on whether
1: that's true or not. I don't know,
0: but, um, yeah. Or comment on the the link between. Yeah. Uh, there can be there certainly can be motives for not believing that get in the way of a sincere search for what's true. Just as there can be motives for believing that get in the way of a sincere search for what's really true, uh, I think if you start raising the issues of people's psychological motives for believing or not believing things, one has to be very wary not to substitute that discussion for a discussion of the reasons and the evidence and what's actually true. But I agree with you. Having just now completed my second book looking at the at the new atheists, I've become more and more convinced that, at least for some of their number, their... Um, Sort of that, that kind of prejudice that A.C. Grayling was talking about does actually characterize some of their discussions about things, at least, and that their their um, their ignorance about certain arguments for God or their their constant use of fallacious objections to, say, the moral argument or the cosmological argument, or whatever. I used to think it's just because they were writing about things outside of the disciplines that they were trained in and they didn't know any better and they were just bad thinkers. And I now think that, for at least some of them, there's it, it good evidence to show that it's not simply bad thinking, it's sort of morally culpably bad thinking um, because these mistakes and so on and, and and misrepresentations have been so consistently pointed out to them that, as John Lennox was saying, they they hold this blind faith in the face of... Overwhelming evidence to the contrary, and but continue repeating the same misrepresentations and so on. Um, so, reason
1: alone won't
0: bring them to faith? No, I don't think reason alone, in, in, if you restrict reason, and I, actually I, I wouldn't kind of restrict reason to this sort of Vulcan logical category, like you can parcel reason off into Mr. Spock and then you've got all the passion uh, in Kirk. Um, <laughs> uh, We're we're whole people and these things integrate with each other. But I think, yes, morality interpenetrates our use of reason, just as reason has to interpenetrate our use of morality and moral decision-making and so on. They're they're inextricably linked to each other. Um, The the famous uh, German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche once said, or Nietzsche, depending on which language you're pronouncing him in, um, once said, Why should you pay attention to truth? Why, why should I pay attention to truth? Particularly since you know, Nietzsche with a moral... Well, I didn't think there were moral facts. He said, without God, there are no moral truths. I don't believe in God, so I don't believe in moral truths. I don't, don't believe I have any moral responsibility as regards how I reason about things at all. Why not just believe what makes me comfortable? So there's clearly a link, I think, between our, our, our moral attitudes, our lifestyles and things, and how we reason about stuff. Yeah, that's true. Looks We're like our wrong. time is up. Yeah, thank you very well much, you.